This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 68 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Company, and Arena Saddles. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. In today's episode, we speak with Kirsten Green from the Retired Racehorse Project on how to prepare for your application for the 2022 Thoroughbred Makeover. Dale Simonton from Gate to Great shares why he loves the Thoroughbred for ranch work, and we'll wrap up the show with Leandra Cooper from New Vocations as she joins us to give us another training tip and introduces our Adoptable Horse of the Week. Our Listener of the Week is Chestnut Pen Marketing. If you'd like to be our Listener of the Week, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Now back to the show. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Oh my gosh, I did something so cool today. What did I'm you so do? excited. It is not thoroughbred related, but it is horse related, and that is I... Okay, so I might have a problem with buying horses. And well, yeah, Jamie, we know you have an addiction <laughs> and we all enable it every day. Exactly. In particular, there's a website. I don't want to tell you guys because you'll just get yourself in trouble, but it's called internethorseauction.com. And about a year and a half ago, I drank a lot of wine and went on and put a bid in for an an Andalusian stud cult (laughs) and he got here and we gave him brain surgery immediately because I won the bid. Mm-hmm. Had to tell my husband, by the way, I bought an Andalusian stud colt who was quickly made a gelding. And for the first time today, he's almost three years old. And uh, for the first time today, I rode him. Yay! Oh, that's exciting. Oh, my gosh. I do first rides on horses all the time, right? But it's nothing mm-hmm. like doing it on your own baby that you've raised. Like, it's it was just really fun. And he really was good. I mean, just like my husband led me around on him. You know, it was a first ride. He's had are singles and saddles and I have a giant teddy bear that rides everybody first and he's had all the things but to actually put my butt in that saddle and be the first ride on a horse is so rewarding especially when it you don't break anything <laughs> well that's amazing and it, it is very special when it's your own and I know it just makes the bonding process a little bit more I don't know it, when it's your own it's it just becomes they're your baby just tonight, like I wrote him this morning and I brought him back in to feed him again. And I was like, oh my God, I love you so much. Here's a cookie. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, know, you just want to spoil him rotten. And it's just, a, <sighs> it's a very different connection. I think as we allow ourselves, because like, they're going to stay, they're going to stay and they're yours and they're your special partner and everything. So yeah. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. It's like that little girl dream of, oh yeah, I want a gray and a little very saddle like, club. Oh, yeah, it's very <laughs> saddle club. That's it's very exactly. saddle club. I totally am the saddle club girl that got like the white Andalusian, but I got yeah. him like next to nothing because he was a very hideously ugly baby. <laughs> well, I will tell you. So I went to Equine Affair over the weekend. We'll talk a little bit about that. But as I was flying back from Massachusetts, I was listening to a podcast. It's the Olivia Towers podcast. And this girl had 
emailed them in and said, so I got really drunk and bought this horse off an online auction. What do I do? How do I, is this a mistake? So I'm like, this must happen a lot is what I'm trying to tell you. (laughs) Yeah, they have. And then there's like the internet horse auction, but they have like different sales. And there was a, like a a race horse sale. Like they were selling thoroughbreds and I'm like, Oh my God, I could get one that's never even raised. It's so great. And like, stop it. Stop it, Jamie. I'm proud <laughs> no. of you. And then there's the sport first step horse is auctions. acknowledging you have a problem. <laughs> that is true. Did you think that was me, by the way, who had written in? <laughs> no, knowing this person was from the UK, unless that you like set up some really fancy internet browsing thing so Chad could not follow what you were doing. Um, I didn't think your IT levels were quite there yet. They're not, so it's good. But how was it, Equine Affair? Oh, it was so much fun. So I went with. Forest from Herd of Zebras. If anyone knows of them, they're on Instagram, Facebook, they're an equestrian lifestyle brand. And I've been helping them with their social media the last few weeks. And we're going to be having a booth at the Ohio Equine Affair in April. So we're like, let's go just have a spontaneous trip, do some market research, do some networking, mostly shop. Right uh, off. Yeah, it was gotcha. so much fun. I do know it was like a little, there were less vendors than normal because of inventory shortages that we're all suffering with right now. I still can't get a couch for this new house yet. Oh, no. <laughs> but other than that, the crowds were great. There were still good clinics and mostly the weather was good. There's one tsunami day, but everything else was beautiful. So really lucked out with a great time. That is fantastic. Nothing like going to look at a bunch of horse stuff with a bunch of girlfriends. And, and exactly. I go, I go to Land so every year. And uh, yeah, and there was a bunch of horse radio network hosts there. And how fun. Uh, so what was your favorite part of it? Oh, my gosh. The favorite part. Honestly, I met a TikTok famous horse there. <laughs> And I got to interview him and we made a TikTok of me interviewing him and his writer. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. What's his name? So we can go look for it. His name is Noodle. His Yes. He is a horse. Dutch I've never horse. seen one in person before. He was massive. For some reason in my head, I'm thinking like bigger than Scooter, bigger than a Hackney Pony, but not, <laughs> not where it was towering over me like a giraffe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm that, that sounds fun. So there's another one in April, and I think it's like two weeks before Land Rover. So you can get your horse on in uh, April because it sounds like it's going to be that time. But before we get to our talking horses, we need to hear from our title sponsor. So let's take a listen to our friends over at Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH 
pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissues. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. I'm super excited to welcome our very first guest of the show. We have Kirsten Green, the Managing Director of the Retired Racehorse Project. And many of you might not know Kirsten, but she has a pretty pivotal role at the Thoroughbred um, Makeover, as well as helping everyone at the Retired Racehorse Project. But I'll let her tell the story. Welcome to the show, Kirsten. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm Kirsten Green. I am the managing director of the Retired Racehorse Project. I've been with the organization as an employee since 2014 and actually started volunteering with the organization before the first thoroughbred makeover and was at helped with the first two thoroughbred makeovers that we had at Pimlico in 2013 and 14. So I've been with RRP for the whole ride. Um, and I'm also considered the event organizer for the thoroughbred makeover. So I have my hands in pretty much every aspect of the event. You may have a really hardworking team here and some people are focused on the competitor experience and our makeover secretary, Secretary Raina Erasmus, and we have a sponsor servicing team and just a whole array of staff that are involved, whether it's programming and the website and all that sort of thing to communications and social media. It's a big event, but I do a little bit of everything. I, I put together the rule book every year and take all the feedback out of the event and listen to our competitors and listen to our officials and hear what worked and what didn't. We spend a lot of time um, debriefing after the event and have to turn around a rule book pretty quick. So that's what we've been focused on here in the office for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Amazing. So basically in summary, Kirsten is the wonder woman of the retired resource project and thoroughbred makeover. She's totally skilled and it's especially kind of putting together everything for the first ever mega makeover. You're a very impressive human Kirsten. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. We have a lot of really impressive humans here. It's not just me. <laughs> You really do. You have an excellent team and I definitely am envious. I, I don't get to work with you guys full time because it sounds like a blast over there. But speaking of the thoroughbred makeover, now that we've completed the 2021-2020 makeover, we're looking at 2022. People with the ASPCA marketplace, people are looking at their prospects. Some already have their prospects. Oh, yeah. What should people be thinking about if they're anticipating to applying for the 2022 makeover? Yeah, we kind of like to remind people that the Thoroughbred Makeover is not just a horse show. It's the kind of flagship initiative of a charitable organization that is promoting these thoroughbreds as pleasure horses and sport horses. We're trying to convince the riding public to pick a thoroughbred instead of a warm blood or a quarter horse. You have a lot to choose from and, you know, we're here for breed advocacy. So the event that we run, the Makeover, serves that. We have an application process and a couple of different forms that are due throughout the year that do help us manage the logistics of the event, but also help us understand the community that we're serving and the impact that our work is doing. It's a bit more involved than sending in an entry blank. 
and you can kind of think of it as being a three-part. We look at the trainers first. And so we have our application process over the winter for the trainers. So the trainers apply and get an acceptance and then they are invited to register an eligible horse. And so that, which is actually new for this year, they can register their horse at the same time that they apply. And then people can register horses all throughout the year until the end of July. You can change, you can swap around. And then we have a final entry process, which is kind of the last bit of paperwork that we require that you pick your disciplines, you book your stalls, you sign your horse up for the marketplace, create their ad, like all of that kind of like last Mm -hmm. 60 days before the event type of stuff. So what we're focusing on right now in this time of year, our winter application period is getting that application updated and ready for folks. So that's the first thing. So if people are thinking about applying, it's a really good time to just ask questions about the makeover and look at the resources that we have on our website. And just understand what you're getting yourself into. It's a big commitment. And Mm. there's a lot of information out there. We have a a pretty robust rule book, which is there to help people inform themselves and make sure that they know what they're signing up for and just be a well-informed competitor so that they can have a good experience. So right now, I would say... Have a look at the want to apply section on our website. Our rule book will be up hopefully by December 1st. So that'll have all the nitty gritty details. And then video is a really important part of our application process. So before it gets really dark and really icy, if you don't have sufficient video already of your writing, now is the time to get that knocked out so that you aren't faced with like, oh God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get a video because it's my arena's iced over or anything like Mm -hmm. that come January. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Now is the time to start putting some videos together. Now, when people are thinking of these videos now, because their horses can only have so many rides, training rides after the track to make them eligible. What are you looking for in these videos? Yeah, this is a really good question. This video shouldn't be of your makeover horse. What we're looking at this stage is your skill set as a rider. So this could be a borrowed horse, a horse that you've trained previously, a more seasoned competitor that you show frequently. Because what we're looking for in these videos is first, we need to see just basic flat work. We want to see walk, trot, canter, halt transitions, and we need to see discipline-specific skills at the level that's required of competition. So Ideally, if really, if your horse has had less than 15 rides, he shouldn't Mm -hmm. be jumping to six courses yet, or Mm -hmm. you might be brave enough to get around. There are people that are, but that's not going to be necessarily the best showcase of your skill set as a rider. We encourage people to not worry about using their makeover horse. if You can, Mm -hmm. if you need to borrow another person's horse or something like that. And the video is... Probably the most critical thing that we have to look at. We've actually really changed our application format a lot this year because it hadn't really been updated since 2015. And so we have this application committee that, that looks at every single applicant and is tasked with determining, based on the information available to me in this application, do I believe that this person is going to have a successful and positive experience training a horse over the next 10 months and getting them through a weekend at the thoroughbred makeover, which is a big show environment. Mm -hmm. So we need to see, like, if you say that you are a jumper, like the lowest height you can jump at the thoroughbred makeover is two six. So we want to be able to see, like, can you put together a nice show jumper course, at least two six 
in height. So that's kind of like the lens that we're looking at things with. There's still a lot of opportunity for narrative and all of that in the application, but the video is just so, so important for our application committee to make a good decision. Amazing. And I think that's super helpful information to know, like to put the effort into the video. Are you looking for it to be like one single shot? Like they have to get it all in like one time period or can they do compilations if they have some video of them like showing over the summer or anything? They can definitely do a compilation. We don't require that they be like a one shot deal. You know, it would actually be great if you did some flat work. And then if you had a course for competition that you did recently, we do just ask that the video footage is at least is no more than two years old. We're not looking for highly produced. We don't need a soundtrack. We don't need slides and, you no know, TikToks and all that. Sort of thing. <laughs> no, we actually, if you, if you check out that um, want to apply guide, we actually have like a do's and don'ts video, like, yes, this, no, that. And we actually specifically asked to not use TikToks and Instagram videos because we just can't see well mm-hmm. enough and they're not long enough for us to really make any determinations either. Excellent. Excellent. So you talked about a couple application changes. So the video being one, are there any Mm -hmm. other ones that you're like, yes, absolutely know this before you start applying? Yeah. So the other thing that we kind of had as a takeaway over our application periods from previous years is we always open them in December and nobody wants to be focused on that over Mm -hmm. the holiday season. So what our plan is this year is they will open for review and drafting on December 15th. And then they will open for submission between January 3rd and 21st. So you've still got several weeks to get all of your materials and stuff pulled together. And you get to look at it ahead of time and try to get everything organized. And then we just have that submission period after the holidays are over. So that's a little bit of a change. If you are a previous makeover competitor and have horses registered with us from any previous year, if they weren't marked sold in our system, we will ask for an update on those horses. Have they sold? Do you still have them? Mm. That sort of thing. Just to kind of help us keep better track of where our graduates are at. So that's something to be aware of if you're a returning competitor. And then as far as the overall format of the application, it's basically in terms of how trainers are inputting information, it won't feel that different. There's still narrative. We just ask questions that are a little bit better formatted to get the kind of information that we want. Mm -hmm. So they're broken down into smaller chunks. Like previously, it was like, why are you a good trainer? Like, as opposed to like, how long have you been riding? How many horses have you been responsible for taking care of? It's just designed to kind of tease out the data that we need a little bit better. And also we added an array of checkboxes of lots of different riding disciplines and backgrounds so that people could Mm -hmm. check off like all of their areas of experience and give us information specific to those disciplines or backgrounds. So I think that in a way it will be a lot easier because there's not these big, broad kind of like existential questions, like they're broken Mm -hmm. down into like much easier to answer questions. And then the only other change related to the application period is we are reducing the requirement for team members too, but every team member has to complete an application now, which is new. So there is the application is set up for you to dictate like Am I applying as an individual? Am I applying as a team captain? Or am I applying as a team member? And so it'll be built to like assess the appropriate fees and that sort of thing. 
depending on the type of application. That's extraordinarily helpful to have handy because I know we interviewed a couple of spotlight writers who participated in teams. And Mm -hmm. yeah, if you don't have that in hand, you don't want to be caught where one of you thought you just had to go ahead and do the application. Everyone else could just trust you to do it. Have everyone ready to go. That's so critical. One more quick question on the application that I want to jump into some other questions is how are the professionals versus amateurs, right? Are there any differences in that? Or because you think of how many years you've been riding, training, an amateur might have only been training for a year versus a professional who might have 10. Right. So we actually changed that a little bit this year. So previously, people were just asked to select if they were a junior or an amateur or a professional, but we actually have it structured so that that status is designated for you automatically based on how you answer questions. So like depending on your age, like it will classify you as a junior automatically. And then depending on how you answer the question, are you compensated in any way, shape or form for your riding, then it will set you to junior or amateur. So that's kind of the line that we follow. It's very similar to how the USCF structures their junior or their amateur versus professional. So a lot of times people think that if I'm not showing, then my riding activity is not classified as professional, but that's actually a big misconception. Like if you are galloping at the track and as an exercise rider, you're mm-hmm. and compensated for that, you're still considered a professional, even if you're not a competitive like shower. Okay. Like say I'm an amateur rider, I end up getting a sponsor for my thoroughbred makeover horse. Would that bump me to a professional? That's a really good question. And we are really very aware that a lot of people look to their communities to support the process of them participating. It is a big commitment of resources. As far as we are concerned, if you're demonstrating that this is like a makeover related fundraiser, we are not going to expect you to change your status with us, but people should be aware that could impact your status with whatever the governing federation is for your respective If you're in USCF or any of that. so Yeah, you could be violating the amateur rule under USCF. I'm not as familiar with like AQHA and some of the other federations, but that would definitely be questionable under USCF's rules. Amazing. So I know we've been going for a minute. This has all been the most helpful information because I've learned a lot from this process. Who is the ideal candidate? If someone's like, I want to do the makeover. I'm not sure if I'm a right fit. Who would you say is the right person to be applying? Most simply, we're looking for anybody the age of 12 or more that loves thoroughbreds. And everyone listening to the show, you're a great candidate. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, So that's the simplest thing. Do you have a horse in your barn that's eligible? Or have you heard about this event and you want to give it a shot? That's all great. We really... The biggest thing that we look for is just that skill. You're taking a green horse over a specified time period and preparing it for an event that's a big event. So the kind of bar in terms of skill set is, are you going to be safe and are you going to have a positive experience? That's what we're looking for. It's a great first year goal for somebody that has just an amateur that has acquired their next heart horse or resellers that have a program that fits the timeline. It's also great for aftercare organizations and rescues that want to highlight their program. It's a great fit across the board. I would say that it's probably not the best fit for very new riders or casual participants. Getting to the makeover, like I've said, a big commitment and a lot of work. And 
it's just really not necessarily if you just started riding last year, I'm not going to say that you would be automatically not considered, but it's just, yeah, yeah, there's a, a lot of parts to getting to the makeover and having a successful experience and people need to be able to lean on their background and their experience to get there. So we definitely want to look for people that are well set up and equipped and in the case of less experienced people, do they have a good support system? Are they going to be working with a trainer? Do they have a good barn community? Or are they on a part of a team that has more experienced team members, that sort of thing, in the case of people who may not have quite the depth of experience? Perfect. I think that's a great answer. So anyone listening to the show, don't hesitate to talk to your trainer about this. If you something you're interested in doing, see if they might think you're a good fit or what you need to do to become one. And I think always, Kirsten, correct me if I'm wrong, people can always reach out to you or anyone at the Retired Racehorse Project if they have questions. Yeah, we are definitely here to help. If you uh, shoot an email to secretary at tbmakeover.org, we'll do our best to answer your questions. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again, Kirsten. It's so great to have you on. This is very helpful, very informative. If any of our listeners are applying for 2022, give us a shout out. Let us know because we want to support you as you go on this expedition to becoming part of the makeover and the history of it. And Kirsten, thank you again. And we look forward to following what's to come. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Cashel Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions. From cantle bags to horn bags and everything in between, comfort and convenience on the trail is what Cashel does best. To stay up to date with their latest products and news, follow Cashel Company on Facebook and Instagram. And to find their products, you can visit an authorized dealer or visit cashelcompany.com. We have had Gate to Great on some of our other podcasts, but I can't believe we haven't highlighted them here on Retired Racehorse Radio because Dale Simonton is a guy who has done it all. I mean, from training racehorses to being a farrier, and now he is actually the co-owner and head trainer at Gate to Great Thoroughbreds. Dale, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Tell everybody about Gate to Great. Gate to Great itself was kind of born out of desperation. When the economy bottomed out and the horse market bottomed out in 2008, we were sitting here with 30 head of broodmares and several stallions and yearlings, weanlings. You couldn't couldn't give them away. Mm-hmm. So I, I started watching for slow horses on PVG at Turfway Park and Columbus Beulah Park at that time, different racetracks around the country. And when I'd see a slow horse, 35 to one shot or something that that ran like that, I'd call them and trade them a yearling or a mare or something for their slow gelding. And I got every one of our horses gone. We kept the, the young horses and broke them and sold them. But that's what I did. I started trading horses for something off the racetrack that was had gone downhill or had no no chance, and just retrain them and turn around and sell them. So you're and, in and, South yeah. Dakota. There's a lot of ranch property up there, and so that is what you started doing. Was you started training them to be ranch horses? Yeah. I, well, it's the best foundation in the world for a horse, but. You know, you can bash through the timber after a cow. You're jumping logs and rocks and ditches. 
A horse has to be able to go where you point him and do it willingly. I hardly ever take a hold of my horses. They're they're on a loose rein. Uh, people think race horses are going to fit. If you turn loose their mouth, they're just going to run off with you, and it's just not true. If you just once they when they realize you're going to let them relax, they usually do. Mm-hmm. So when you start these guys, how how do you get them started and start to introduce them to the ranch lifestyle? Well, every horse is different. Some of them are just plain brave. When when you, you can tell when they look across the fence at a cow whether they're going to run and hide from him or you can just go to work with them i usually though i start in the round pen just like i would a horse i'm breaking to ride i saddle them and sometimes i ground drive them just to let them get the feel of a back seat and stuff some of them will kind of hump up and want to buck a little bit where they feel a cinch on their belly and and then i just get on and take off Dale, how many, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of horses and a lot of ranch work to get done. Do you do this by yourself or do you have a team that helps you? No, it's my wife and I. Oh my gosh. Uh, That's a um, lot. I, I do all the riding. She shows limited showing. She sold her good show horse this year. She's just, she just doesn't go for the outside riding and I don't care for the arena riding (laughs) perfect couple yeah (laughs) but she has the english background and she knows that english she's pretty sharp on what the english people are going to like i didn't know that a horse would change leads till i was probably 18 years old we just rode them Right. And there's something to be said for that for sure. So we, how many horses at any given time do you have available for sale? Right now, I sold a lot of horses in the past 10 months. I've slowed down, taken so many. We had 30 head here at one time, and we do all our own farrier work, and, and Dorothy pretty well takes care of the barn, and I ride horses. Wow. And it just... Uh, I'm getting too damned old to start with her. <laughs> well, it's it's it sounds like all of us would have a hard time keeping up with you. So you have a website that's called gatetograat.com. Obviously, these horses have an amazing foundation in ranch work. Do most of them go on to do ranch work, or do you sell them to all walks? I did sell two this summer. For ranch horses, that was a lady from Wyoming. Her and her husband have a ranch down by Douglas, Wyoming. And they bought, came over here and rode them in the round pen and liked them and wrote a check and hauled them off. And we did <laughs> hear some feedback. She loves them, and but hardly ever sell them for ranch horses. Most of them go back east for trail horses. I used to sell a lot of fox hunters. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a perfect foundation for a field hunter. Absolutely, absolutely. Most of the fox hunters, they have no idea what a ranch horse knows or what he does. Right. What are some of the things that that they do that you do teach them? Well, I just, I, I did this interview at a trainer's forum in Lexington. I just, like I said in that forum, I just, 
I, I had no idea it was as complicated as what you guys are saying. We just ride them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't mean to make things complicated. I think that's a good way to do it. So just get on and get out there. <laughs> well, that's basically what we do. If you know what you're doing, you're training all the time. It's just, it's hard to explain. My first ride on a horse, when I get outside on them, if I can just get them to walk, just walk on a loose rein, that's all I ask of them. And sometimes that takes all day. Mm -hmm. If they want to jig or break into a trot, I just pull their nose around to my knee and let them circle until their feet quit moving. And then I do it the other direction, and then I let them walk again until they try to trot, hop over V-ditches and whatnot, and maybe follow a cow around. You can feel them learn. Right. Well, my, my I wasn't trying to make it complicated. What I was trying to figure out is what are some of the things that at your place at Gate to Great that horses are introduced to in the ranch world? Because those of us who are near ranches, we have no idea what ranch horse work is. I see that from that makeover. <laughs> uh, walking over ground poles and oh we open gates on them we might i i use them when i'm irrigating ride them from one set to another and move my tarps and you might hobble them out there in the middle of the hay field while you're walking around checking your water and we do a lot of roping if you doctor and cattle or or branding calves we drag all the calves to the fire a friend of mine and his wife they well they were running about 900 mother cows and i think they probably sold maybe 400 because it's so dry this year but they're the chiefs and i'm the indian <laughs> that's about the best way to put it tim is i think he's four or five years older than me and he and i do all the riding wow fantastic well dale it has been awesome having you on i want to tell everybody to go to gate to great.com it's a fantastic website where you can see a lot of the horses a lot of success stories some photos and news and stories it's very interactive so thank you so much for being on gate to great.com thank you if a new saddle is on your holiday wish list, check out Arena Saddles. Arena Saddles are beautifully styled with meticulous attention to detail. Classically crafted from European leather, riders will appreciate the elegance and quality of Arena Saddles. Whether you're competing in dressage, jumping a course, or riding on the trail, there's a perfect Arena Saddle for you. The Arena All-Purpose Saddle has been carefully developed with you and your horse's comfort in mind with a balanced all-purpose seat, giving you support to move with your horse in total harmony. With saddles for every discipline, at just $15.99, there is an arena saddle that's perfect for you. To view the full range of arena saddles or find a retailer, visit arenasaddles.com. Always happy to have Leandra Cooper back on the show. Leandra is from New Vocations and Kentucky. And uh, Leandra, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me again. Well, I I love to completely give you questions that you're unprepared for because I don't really let you know what we're going to talk about before we just start. So one of the things that I see a lot of with all the off-the-track courses that come to me is they call it racetrack jewelry. Little issues soundness-wise, some things that may or may not be concerning. A big one that I deal with a lot is oscillates, which are just very ugly, but sometimes don't affect their soundness. So what are some of the things that you guys see a lot of at New Vocations in Kentucky? 
That is a great question, and we certainly see a lot of different things because generally we see around 200 horses a year just at the Kentucky facility. So as you can imagine, you see lots of different things come through, and that some people might consider also things like a roar, maybe uh, mm-hmm. racetracks or jewelry because it is a little more common in the thoroughbred. But I would say just as far as soundness things go, some of the most common things that we see are things as minor and cosmetic as splints, which generally they are just cosmetic once they're cold and not unlike oslet. They can be, like you said, just a little bit cosmetic. And certainly we do see quite a few horses with oslets, which like you said, can be minor and not so performance inhibiting once it's cold. Or sometimes if the, it's in the joint or it's articular, so it's affecting the way that they sort of bend and absorb impacts, and certainly it can have more implications. It's just so case dependent. But we do also see soft tissue injuries such as suspensory desmitis, which you can sort of think about all those soft tissues like a rubber band. So they're meant to be elastic and they're meant to be stretched, but sometimes some of it might just be the biomechanics. Maybe they don't have a lot of heel, and so they're just always kind of hyper-stretched. But especially in those lower limbs, some of those, when they're racing, they're going to the maximum of their physical potential, right? So Mm -hmm. that elastic band can get a little extra stretched. And in those cases, you might have little, almost like micro tears, which is one of the ways that I will describe suspensory desmitis. And you can have bigger injuries. You can have core lesions and tears. And I mean, we see the whole spectrum. But a lot of times, even with those, people get really scared because you'll never quite get the same elasticity. But I always like to emphasize that your horse's physical ability in the future, there are a lot of different variables, including luck, but most Hmm. certainly one of the biggest influencers is the rehab process and the amount of time you give them and how you train the rest of their body. Because people forget about that, that horses, if that's their weak point, train the rest of them so that they are not disproportionately favoring or putting extra strain on those weak spots. So make the rest of it the strong spot, and then you won't have as much of that inequalities, asymmetries in their gates, most certainly. And then things like condylar fractures, most certainly, but even just bruising, so bone bruising. They have a lot of impact. And all of those sort of things, I mean, we could go on, of course, there's a this huge range, but this can be something as simple as a cosmetic blemish. So the horse has tried to repair a little tiny injury the best it can, sort of build a cast somewhat around it. So you'll see those bony formations like splints and offlets. And then there are those things with soft tissue where you're just stretching a little bit too much that there's damage, but certainly is not going to inhibit them in tremendous ways. I mean, we have seen horses with double bow tenants, a bow tenant, both front, obviously cold and set, but then go on and do Grand Prix show jumping. It's not going to be the case with every horse, but it can happen. So a lot of it, like I always emphasize, people always want to know what they're going to be able to do. And I like to emphasize that really depends so much on you and what you do with the horse and that long-term career path, not just those short-term gains and everybody wants to do a lot with them really quickly, but that you can mm. really... Um, beat the odds in a lot of ways with careful 
rehab, keeping your horse in the proper condition for what you're asking it to do, and just that holistic approach of making sure their whole body is appropriately healthy and ready for the task. There's a lot of preventative care that you can do for these horses as well. If they've got some oscillates that are set in there and they're sound and they're going, it might not be in the joint, it might not be affecting things. Maybe give your horse some of the joint supplements, say injectable stuff, anything to keep them healthy and sound. So good to know that none of these things sound tremendously scary. I know a lot of people want a perfect horse, but sometimes you just work with what you have. Sometimes you just... Sometimes the perfect horse is an imperfect horse. Oh, write that down. Put that on a t-shirt. There you go. We need t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> That's making our marketing now. Yes, right? <laughs> That's fantastic. Sometimes the perfect horse is an imperfect horse. So hey, your speaking... perfect horse could just happen to also have things. <laughs> yeah. Speaking so of we all. is Good Lord, yeah. tell me about Golden Whim. Holy cow, what a big, oh, beautiful yeah. horse. Absolutely. And he is a perfect example with the conversation that we've had. So he's three years old. He's 17 hands. And it is totally something that we have seen in pattern that horses who grow quickly at such a young age, their bodies have put so much resource, all those resources into just growing that sometimes we'll see things like weak hind ends or when the stifles lock and then they grow out of these periods. And he has had the really awkward growth spurt. So Golden Wind, you look at him, he's absolutely stunning. And he's like a little kid in his mind. So he's really playful. He just thinks that he might be Clifford, like just a dog, just a big dog. He is really entertaining to be around because he's always looking to be the center of attention and that mm-hmm. just goes the same for when he's in turnout. He just has one of those look-at-me type personalities and this big body that he just is not quite sure what to do with. But even in those the initial rides with him, he showed this tremendous amount of talent. He has a really naturally uphill gait. He carries himself well, albeit not perfectly balanced because he's still a baby and he's still going through all these awkward phases. That he's incredibly smooth. His canner is like very easy to sit. It has this natural build that will surely go to be one that stands out in the show ring if somebody chooses to do that with him or as he gets more experience, he has the right head on his shoulders to be a pretty consistent horse. So I certainly could see him going a lot of different directions, but this is a real wow type horse. Again, we see a lot of horses coming through this facility and the quality of his movement is really exceptional. And this is a horse who had a lot of speed bumps in his racing career. So he was purchased as a yearling for one and a half million dollars. They didn't give up on him without a try. Um, Mm. You invest that much money in a horse, you're going to really try to get them to make it back. Mm -hmm. And he just had speed bumps along the road that they were just like, you know what? This is not the path for you. Reluctantly giving up that one and a half million. He only won $400 in one. (laughs) Oh my God. It's such gamble. Just think about I mean, he's with right. the Oro, so like he is one of the yeah. bred by one of the top sires. I think the stud fee is like three hundred fifty thousand dollars, something crazy like that, and they bought yeah. from one point five and he won four hundred dollars. But you know what? I always say that the, the, the breeding and all of it is so on purpose that we would not have such amazing sport horses access 
and to be able to afford such amazing sport horses. I love Joy right. that she, he's a little unbalanced as she canters mm-hmm. him across the diagonal and he does a flying lead change. Like, shut and up. He's built like a warm blood. <laughs> he's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, what you don't see is that my abs are getting quite the workout because he still <laughs> leans in your hand. You have to kind of hold him up. You're like, okay, you can do this, but he's doing it holding your hand the whole time. But he'll grow out of that for sure, and the talent is there, definitely. Fantastic. Well, you guys can see him on horseadoption.com. His name is Golden Whim, and go look at the videos. There's a million pictures of him, too. He is just, I mean, he seems to really be growing into himself, and he's not a long, skinny, lanky 17 hands. He is a solid chunky. 17 hands. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Leandra. Thanks, Leandra. Thanks for having me. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Now, I'm going to continue on, but I want to tell everybody, if you like our podcast, please go give it a review on Facebook or wherever you do podcast reviews because that's how the word gets out and that's how this show keeps going is by having new people listening all the time. So please share, like us on Facebook and Instagram where I've retired racehorse radio. Also, I have a Facebook page, Flyover Farms, Jamie Jennings Certified. Monty Roberts instructor and you can email me at jamie at horseradionetwork.com if you think the show sucks email me I don't care I can take it yeah <laughs> yes uh, to tag into that instead of you know giving us the negative review it's much easier to email us we will read it we are real people we can't Send afford it, yeah. assistance to please do please don't us. write a bad review just email me a nasty letter I'm a fine yes, yes. <laughs> uh, feel free to email me as well at joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram at the foodie equestrian. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky performance products, arena saddles and cashel company. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the horse radio network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And stay neuter and geld. Bye guys. Bye.